This podcast is Entel Enhanced. To see pictures, articles and links of what's being discussed, download the Entel app. Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hi guys, my name's Lee Bishop. I'm a shipwreck diver and I've been invited today to be on the Big Scuba podcast with Ian and Gemma. Hope you enjoy the stories and the chat that we're going to go down. Hello everyone, welcome to the Big Scoop podcast, welcome to episode 87. It is 87. As you heard, there's both of us here, and uh, my name's Ian, and also... My name's Gemma, hello. Hello, so yes, 87, and it's a nice day out there, although it's a little bit windy, and we decided to record indoors. Yes. Last couple of been, I think we've been outside for the last couple of episodes, haven't we? Yeah, it's a little bit windy and a little bit cooler. A little bit windy in the willow. So, coming up on this episode, we've got our main part is with our Lee. Our main man, yeah. Our main man is part two of Lee Bishop talking to us about uh, artifacts, uh, dive on botanic and yeah. sort of a general chit chat actually and he asks us a couple of questions yeah we well. do our usual guest questions so we ask him a couple of questions and then he asks us a question or put something challenged us yeah so we've got a bit about that um what we've been up to and also we've heard from our good friend Shaf. yep we so, have uh, yeah um so I can't believe another week has disappeared. Where's that gone? I don't know. Oh, it's mad, isn't it? Filled it, that's for sure. Yeah, if you are listening to us for the first time and from one of the hundred plus countries that have been with us, uh, thank you very much. It's always really good to uh, have you on board. Uh, do look at our previous episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talk about diving, we talk about scuba diving, we talk about free diving, fun on the water, don't we? Yeah, marine conservation yeah. as well. And people that do art to yeah. do with the water. And the other bit about this is also following your journey as, you know, we started this way back, you know, last year when you weren't mm-hmm. even a diver. No, you know? I hadn't even yeah, done anything, even a try diving. No, and we've had companies come on board who go, hey, I want to be part of Gemma's story of being a diver. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and we talk about your route in the diving and your first what we now 30 dives 30 dives in yeah. um, so. and then companies have come on to say hey let's support this and that try this and, and, that. Um, yeah. and you know should we also talk about their products and as well so if you that's generally what this podcast is about and then we get people to come on tell us their stories yeah, yeah. and some of them you will know some of them will be really big long-term divers like Lee Bishop and yeah. people like Christina Sonato, uh, Dean Martin, and you know other people who are well-known people, or even TV personalities. Yeah, we've had Monty Halls on, haven't we? And, yeah, yeah so. but also we love to hear from the main, I suppose, broad spectrum of divers um, who just love being underwater, and you probably would never even heard of them, you know. And that doesn't matter because they just love diving, and we like hearing their story. They've got a passion and a drive for it, so, so and yeah. hopefully it will inspire other people, even if you're not a diver, to maybe consider looking at about getting under the water or even on the water, or just a bit more interest about the ocean environment. Yeah, so that's that. So that's what this podcast has been about. So. 
Um, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Well, busy with work as usual, but we managed to get out on the water on Wednesday evening, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, In we were on our paddle boards and Scuba Honey was on a kayak. She had a great time. Uh, first time on the sea, yeah. you know, and um, we all had our life jackets on. We had our... Um, short wetsuits on. Short wetsuits on. I think mine was a, uh, an Aqualung 5 mil, and I was toasty in that. Yeah, it was, it was warm, yeah, so it was... Fairly rough conditions. It was quite windy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. was uh, yeah, yeah. We, we've been having uh, quite a bit of wind on this uh, east coast the North, last few days. Yeah, we? northerly winds. They're onshore breezes, so it was quite safe. But yeah, but uh, scuba honey really. And we had a seal. It. Yeah, we had a seal pop up. We had yeah. a seal come and join us. I think it's the first time at Cromer we've had a seal come and join us on the while we've been out. Yeah, it was an inquisitive seal and he named Benny, apparently. Benny, Benny yeah. the seal. <laughs> Benny the seal came to visit. So, uh, yeah, so yeah. that was good fun. So, yeah, we've managed to, we haven't been out on the paddle boards for a while. So no, it was good to no, get the opportunity. It was. And uh, especially with the light, it's now fading early in the evening. It's not always possible. So, um, but that was really good. Um, we possibly might be diving monday yes it just depends on the weather doesn't it, it? does it's a little bit dicey on the east coast um you know the current might be looking right but the actual wind it's the wind is sit, is sit laying wrong uh on this east coast in the uk it can make visibility you know just well, you just lose the vis, the vis. yeah and also very tricky getting in and out because of the it can surf. be on yeah yeah because yeah. uh the actual shore dive can be tricky on that coast there. Got to be safe. So, uh, yeah, so if we do go, there'll be some footage and there'll be some social media. Uh, I'm pretty sure about that. Um, apart from that, it's been a good week at uh, CrossFit and uh, fitness and things like that. Yeah, we've just come back from our Saturday session. Yeah, I, I actually, and uh, say hello to our friends who are at the Suffolk Games today. Um, they're all working hard and yep, in their teams. competition yep. so uh, we wish them good luck with that um, saw a really good post today um, yeah, it's, it's on the BBC website mm -hmm. that the government are now going to be banning single use plastic knife and forks yeah that's good news isn't so, it for the take uh, that is, yeah that's brilliant so uh, that's really good although not bringing it into April 23 which I kind of think well you know why so long well, factories need to stop making them now, and then I guess they need to roll out the stock they've well, got. Well, we've done beach clean, and we've picked up knife, forks, spoons. Yeah, lots uh, of loads, haven't they? Mm. You know, so that'd be yeah, be out, that'd be good to get rid of them, and especially when there's so many natural alternatives like from mm. bamboo and what have you. Yeah. Um, so, so that's really good. Yeah, that's a step forward. Less going in the ocean. I mean, I know there's some stuff there floating around now, but at least there's not going to be stop, as much. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so it's all it's a step in the right direction. Just bring it forward. Bring it forward. Yeah, or so. well, we can all stop now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. What else do we need to talk about? We need to talk about Shaf. Yes, we've now, heard from Shaf recently, haven't we? Shaf was uh, with us on a previous episode um, must have been about episode 40 yeah. in memory yeah we spoke to him um, he, he approached us I think to have so Shaf is an ex uh, Maldivian special forces and uh, he's a uh, technical diver, technical diver mm -hmm. and he helped train some of the guys um, now he's um, got a really good um, 
Event. Event. That's what I was for. <laughs> really good event coming up. Yeah, it's in February 2022. So it's a bit further next year. And it is to mark the 50 years of the Maldives diving industry. Yes. So he literally is going to an attempt a 50-hour dive. 50-hour dive. Now, that takes some doing. Imagine that. You know, when you think, like, 50 hours, that's, you know, two days. Over two days. Over two days. Yeah. That's not coming up for yeah. two days. Yeah. And he's going to, while he's down there, he's going to be holding a pledge. So divers are obviously going to dive down and see him yeah. so that they can then sign this pledge to show their yeah. solidarity. We've got to say hello to Chef. You know, he's, um, he's, he's he often messages us with different things, but he's been, you know, I know he's been planning this for mm. quite a while now. Um, and, and we do really generally wish him all the best for that. Yeah. That's going to be um, quite, a, quite a feat, you know, to do mm. that. Yeah, he's got some support from people like Fourth Element, Shearwater and some other companies. But if you have a look at his Instagram page, we'll put the post in the show notes, then yeah. you can maybe make contact or ask yeah. him some more questions. Needs, needs a lot of support. And, um, you know, if, you, if you're a company out there uh, and listening, then uh, maybe contact him as well. Mm. Um, you know, so uh, that'd be really good to know he's got some more companies, especially you've got people like Fourth Element who... You know, he's a fourth element diver. Yeah, um, yeah So that'd be really good, you know, uh, if you can get a bit more support as well. Yeah, and overall it's going to bring together the local people of the Maldives and the international diving community because it's going to be publicised all over. So it's yeah. Yeah, a good thing. That is, yeah, that is. So, uh, you know, hello to Chef. So, uh, yeah, that'd be good. Okay, right. Well, um, Lee Bishop is uh, he's up next. Yes, and I think we ask him a question about artefacts and it might be a bit controversial wasn't it so that was where we, we left it a bit of a cliffhanger on the last episode oh yeah yeah yes that's right yeah i remember yeah, thinking hang on a minute we ended it there <laughs> yeah so we'll start by asking him the question and see what he's got to say right let's well, sit back and uh, let's do that okay Previously, you mentioned artefacts, and a lot of our listeners will be thinking, you're going down to shipwrecks. Do you take things from Okay. Gemma, proper controversial conversation now. <laughs> However, when I first started diving, um, there was no conversation as such as this. Um, and wreck diving, particularly in the States, and the wreck, wreck diving was all about going down to a shipwreck and finding the artifacts and bringing them up, bringing them up and um, collecting them. Yeah. And, and for example, you know, we can see behind here. That's um, amazing. Yeah. That's just the, uh, the, 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 the porcelain and, and things like that. Um, but I haven't taken anything from a shipwreck in around about 10 years. I don't think um, I'm a shipwreck photographer and I, I, I just shoot pictures now. Um, but there are rules and regulations about taking things from shipwrecks. A lot of people say you should leave them there for um, other people, other divers to see. Well, I've tried doing that and it just, it just didn't work. Um, a lot of my artifacts that I've recovered over the years have been donated to museums. Um, the only problem we have with museums is they don't have the space to store everything 
and often the space to display things. Yeah. People think they should go in museums. However, museums just don't have that kind of uh, ability to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, when you're talking about a ship, it's not a small thing, is it? No. Right. No. For example, I spoke about the Flying Enterprise. We took a lot of artefacts off that, but we gave them to the Maritime Museum in Falmouth, where the ship, where the world's media descended mm. to take up that story about that shipwreck. So that um, that display was in that museum for many, many years, and it was very, very popular um, for the Flying Enterprise things. But... You know, a lot of the shipwrecks that we dive, literally no one's ever going to go there again. Yeah. I can guarantee that. There's, you know, while people are still technical diving, I know of shipwrecks that we've been to. No one's been there since we've been there. And all they're going to do is dissolve into the seabed. Um, Like the Titanic, for example. You know, when we, or the Britannic, we've done scientific um experiments on both with uh, Canadian biologists, microbiologists. And I think the Titanic alone, it's something like 90 years before it biologically implodes and becomes nothing more than an iron ore deposit on the seabed. I think that artifacts should be recovered because beauty has no value unless it can be seen. However, having said that, the shipwrecks of the Baltic Sea have not been touched. Nobody takes things off them. Because they're so well preserved, because the Toledo worm doesn't live in their temperate waters like it does in our waters, the yeah. rate of decay is slowed down something like four times the amount. Yeah. There is a new book that's just come out, probably the best shipwreck book ever, um, our, uh, by Jonas Darm. Um, and it's got pictures of the um the baltic shipwrecks in and you would not believe how well preserved there's photographs in there where somebody's laid their clothes out on the bed and their hat and really? the ship sunk and it's still there yeah really how did that not get washed off the bed things like <laughs> that when, when the, the boat sank I mean... um but the baltic sea is so well preserved and it's beautiful to see it um so i i kind of don't take things anymore uh, realistically but I, I mean i have friends that do um and you know i do offer things and, and of course there's rules and laws about being able to do that and yeah. listeners must abide to those mm. and yeah. you know it's it's illegal now to take something from a shipwreck but unless you, you have written permission where you where you're sitting you you know for our listeners you're sitting at home and you've got a lovely display cabinet full of different baits, brasses, bottles behind you. Um, I swear my mum and dad got uh, very similar plates. Now looking at that. <laughs> okay, so for example, so for example here, we have some plates from a wreck called the Duke of Buccleuch, which happens to be my favourite all-time shipwreck. Um, she was carrying a cargo of um, porcelain to Australia. Yeah. And um, there's so much down there. You... When you take something from a shipwreck, you have to declare it for to the receiver of wreck, which is a government department. <laughs> and I remember once that I gave some of my photographs to uh, uh, Sophia, who was the main uh, receiver of wreck in England here. Mm-hmm. And um, 
she wanted some to do presentations and things for divers. And I gave her some photographs of, of the cargo holds inside. And she wrote back to me and said, I cannot believe how much stuff is inside that shipwreck. No wonder we get so many people write to us to tell us that they've found something off this shipwreck, you know. And of course, you have to fill in the correct paperwork, or you did, to to be able to. And what happens then is the receiver of wreck then goes about their business of finding the rightful owner of that artifact from that shipwreck. And they have a year and a day to do that. And if they don't find that owner, they have um, that you can they give it to you within lieu of salvage. Mm. Yeah. Um, and they say, please look after this piece of maritime history or consider giving it to a museum. OK, now there are certain things that the receiver of wreck will be interested in. For starters, something that is of state importance. So if you found a cannon, the, the receiver of wreck, the government department will want to know where that cannons come from. You can't just take cannons or or things like that. Um, they're interested in things that could be of a health and safety issue. Many years ago, people used to dive warships and take up uh, bombs that were still live, you know, still with their shell cases and, and their detonators in them. Um, you know, you can't have things like that in your house. Simple as that. Um, and so, um, you know, so example, some of this China here is off of um, quite well-known sailing ships. Some of it is seconds as well. It's it's not great stuff. It's cheap. Do you ever like lose Do you ever like have guests around and say and surprise them with the you know, well, yeah, served in a certain bowl. I I I don't buy plates from places like B and Q anymore. Uh, sorry, uh, B and Q from um, from from the supermarkets or, or wherever anymore. Um, IKEA. I just booked myself on a dive to one of these shipwrecks and get myself some porcelain china I, I say that i haven't i haven't done for a long long time but um i do have friends that um regularly eat their dinner off of plates that they have from shipwrecks and uh, th this will make you laugh they um they're dishwasher friendly as well <laughs> despite the fact they were made in 1880 they just don't they're make probably, them like that anymore. they're better made than they are now <laughs> uh, yeah but um you know there's, there's interesting things. I've got to be devil and advocate, advocate as well, you know, because a lot of people will be saying to this, well, hold on. Some of these are, you know, um, where people die. And uh, you know, should they not be left as they are because you know, people lost their lives in some of these wrecks? What's your, what's your thoughts? Okay, my thoughts on that. I've got a good answer to that. Um, so military shipwrecks are the so-called warships, uh, sorry, war graves. What they are realistically is ships that are protected by the Military Remains Act of 1986, which means you can't go inside, tamper with, or interfere with that particular site. Certain warships have preservation orders on them where you can't go near them, you can't dive them. An example is HMS Affray, the last British submarine lost at sea. Uh, we were the last people, the, we were the people that f first dived it and the last people to dive it before they put a preservation order on it. Uh, a, a, a statutory instrument going through Parliament to say you can't dive it. 
Uh, so you can't take anything from a military shipwreck as such. Not only that, military things tend to have an arrow stamped on them. So it belongs to the military. So we tend not to take things from those. And the ships that we've mainly taken artifacts from are the tramp steamers, yeah. that, of which there were hundreds and thousands of them that were sank during the war, often with no, no catches because the Germans got them to get off before they torpedoed them. Um, however, I do think to myself that all warships should be classed as some sort of site like the military do for theirs. Because just because a warship, say, for example, the Royal Oak in Scapa Flow, big time war grave, you're not allowed to dive it. Uh, Emily dived it. She spoke about it on the podcast, didn't she? Um, however, that's got um, that's protected by the Military Remains Act. However, say a tramp steamer, say, for example, one called the Genie in the English Channel that was perhaps carrying coal for the war effort that played just as much part in the war as any other ship. That isn't protected by the Military Remains Act. Why is that? Yeah, it was still part of the war. So it's a big controversial subject. But no, we don't take anything from shipwrecks that we're not supposed to, and nobody should do that. Yeah. In fact, nobody should really be taking things from shipwrecks anymore at all. It was just what we did when, you know, you can't you can't take away the hit the past. I can't undo the past. And I can't undo what I know. I can't unknow what I know. No. You know, um, and that and that was the way it was. And I was inspired by the American wreck diving books. We all were. And the Kingston guys and the, all my predecessors, they were all about finding artifacts off shipwrecks. Um, and, and, you know, it wasn't until I got to the Baltic Sea and dived with somebody called Imi Wallen that educated me on the fact that we should be preserving these shipwrecks. I've also dived in a place called Truck Lagoon numerous times in the pacific ocean um in indonesia and if any listeners want to go to the best shipwreck location on planet earth truck lagoon is your place where there's over 100 shipwrecks don't quote me on that um <laughs> it's littered with them <laughs> yeah in this tropical lagoon uh, japanese warships um many many of them in shallow depths um shark infested waters but not to scare you off. Um, inc absolutely incredible. It's a preserved museum. Yeah. Second yeah. World War. In. Sorry, the bomb. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many stories go with these, these are, uh, you know, these shipwreck dives. It's, you know, it's incredible really. Then the, the, uh, just the P you know, I will, I will say to anyone that's getting involved in shipwreck diving or any diving at all, you know, it's the journey and all the people that make it special. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've finishing up now, believe it or not, after 28 years, of a book of 30 years of shipwreck diving. And during the writing of it, just some of the characters and some of the people, some of the stories, you know, um, what people have done. I remember one story. We dived a wreck. Oh, I can't remember the name. It's a freighter in the English Channel off Paul. And I was diving with a guy. There was a guy called Dave Wenders. Dave is, runs his own charter boat called White Spirit. 
off of um, the South Coast. And his diving partner at the time was called Nick Legrand. And Nick was a guy that, let me put you in a picture with this guy. He kind of had a piece of string to hold his trousers up. And I remember, (laughs) you know, he was, you know, he wasn't a poor guy or anything like that, but he kind of may have looked like, uh, you know, uh, an out and down tramp or something. I remember once he went into McDonald's and um, he only had enough change for a particular burger and he was sorting the change out. And the lady gave him the burger and she kind of sort of said to him, don't worry, sir, it's on us. And he's like, he's like, he's looked at himself. Oh, no, it's not like that. It's not like that. I'm not a tramp. But um, I remember Nick went in once and on this twin set, we used to have a bath that connected the two cylinders together. And he put some extra weights on there, thinking that he was, um, uh, he needed some extra weight. So he tied them to this bar and he was, he was too heavy, far too heavy. And when he jumped off the boat, he inverted himself and went down completely upside down and hit. He didn't know it, but he was actually on the wreck, not on the seabed, on the wreck, about 57 metres deep, okay, upside down. Mm. He's breathing 75% water out of these apex um, manta regulators. Um, he's, so he's half drowning doesn't know where he is, he's upside down, he's just rocketed to the bottom of the seabed, 57 metres. He's in a desperate state. He's upside down, his dry suit is full up, so he's inverted, so he can't turn himself round. So he thinks, I'll get my knife, cut my dry suit, let the air out, and then come up. He can't can't get to his knife because it's strapped to his leg, and it's, in the end... The only thing he can do is wiggle out of his twin set and his harness, yeah? Let it all go and then rock it to the surface without it. So he's come out of the surface at 57 metres. Yeah, he's at 57 metres. He's come out. He's fine. He's okay. There's a little bit of blood coming out of his nose, maybe. Anyway, of course, when he jumped in with his dive partner, Dave Wenders, who we call Wet Legs, he got to the bottom of the shot line and he looks up for his dive partner. He's not there. And he's like, well, where is he? And he thinks, oh, he's not coming. He must have had a problem with his equipment. So he, he literally goes about his diving himself. And then he comes across some diving equipment on the deck. And he, okay. he looks at it and thinks, that looks just like Nick's equipment. <laughs> and he thinks, oh, somebody's lost their gear. I'll have that. I'll, you know. So throughout his whole dive, he's thinking, oh, I've got myself some new gear. <laughs> and he sent it to the surface and little did he know it was Nick's, you know, but you know, it, it's funny uh, stories like that, you know, you definitely need to write a book. Yeah. That's going to be. Uh, yeah. It's finished. <laughs> the book is, the, the book is finished. I'm on my third wave of editing now. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've got a lot of stories in there, but based all around expedition diving. Yeah, that's incredible. And some of the, uh, some of the big expeditions that we've done. So, yeah. Um, so from the English Channel, we moved on to the uh, the North Atlantic, mm. where we dive wrecks like the uh, HMS Audacious um, and um, the Empire Heritage, which had a cargo of tanks. And when you dive it, it's like somebody's got it's like um, a child's got some toys and just scattered them all over the seabed. Had you know, it's in, it's incredible and. You know, I, I started doing some photography up there 
And that's where I got into the black and white time exposure photography mm. because I dived a shipwreck up there called the Justicia. It's the third biggest shipwreck lost during the Great War. She was almost the same size as the Lusitania, huge ship. In fact, she can be seen being built in the same dock that Titanic was built in next to Britannic. Oh, wow. um, and she sank, um, she was torpedoed by a German submarine. <laughs> Huge wreck, massive wreck, photographing this bow. And at the time I had big strobes on my camera, on my camera. And I dropped down to the seabed and the visibility was so good that you could see the, the entire wreck going off into the distance, massive. It's incredible visibility up there because of the, the lovely sand seabed. Yeah. yeah. So this is off of Loch Swilly for the, anyone listening. Those uh, shipwrecks up there. If you're a technical diver and you've never been there, it is a haven for beauty and shipwreck exploration. Mm. Um, and you guys would love it as well because you've got the Laurentic, you know, uh, 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 an ocean liner that was salvaged for its gold, famous gold salvage. Um, but I went down to photograph this wreck and there was just, you know, I looked at this wreck and I thought, well, I can't photograph this entire wreck with strobes, like cans of light. It's like having a flash trying to light up a football pitch at night. It's not going to happen. No. However, if you use time exposure photography and just let without a strobe and just let nature do the work for you, let light come in. Mm. But you need to keep the camera really still. Mm. How designed, so I designed a system that I could use a tripod um, on a camera housing. So I went back to the wreck in 2001, I think it was, set the tripod up on the seabed, black and white. And I was using film back then as well. So I only had 36 exposures. And, um, and I shot these photographs um, and I got the whole wreck in. Um, and I also shot some photographs of the um, audacious battleship guns. The tripod must have been really big. Surely. Sorry? The tripod must have been really big. Uh, it was a video yeah. tripod. Yeah, it was a video tripod I used, uh, which was quite kind of funny because it's really weird to see somebody underwater behind a tripod. You very much look like a wedding photographer. Now, the problem with, with time exposure photography is that um, everything has to be still. Yeah. If it's moving, it will make a blur through the image. So fish were making a blur through the image. So I was kind of behind the camera, sort of like doing a, doing a dance, like a break dancer, trying to scare off the fish. Of course, when you're using a rebreather, your colleagues think that you're having some sort of oxygen toxicity hit, you know. So all sorts of things were happening underwater back in those days, I can tell you. But, um, yeah, so I started taking those beautiful pictures and it really inspired a lot of people to go to dive those particular shipwrecks. It was uh, uh, pretty good um, back in those days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you've been to obviously the Britannic, which we've spoken about before on previous podcasts. And yeah, we've seen the video footage of that and it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Britannic came, the first time we went to Britannic was 98. Um, and 1996, we managed to secure a license from the Greek government 
the Greek effort to dive that shipwreck. And at the same time, uh, Kevin Gurr also got a license. Um, Kevin mounted his expedition in 1997. We decided to mount ours in 1998, put a bit more planning into it, a bit more time. Um, and it was kind of exciting back then. Um, we'd also dived previously with American divers, um, American Atlantic wreck divers. So we invited those to join us on Britannic as well. Uh, so John Chatterton came and he was the first person to use a rebreather on the wreck. Um, so we dived it then and then we went back in 2003. And that was when we all were on rebreathers. Mm. So in 1998, we went there. And when we went there, there was, you know, when let me let me put Britannic in the picture to your listeners. Uh, she's the Titanic sister ship, along with Olympic as well, the other sister ship. Yeah. And she's bigger than Titanic. And she's in one lump on the seabed, 120 meters deep off of Athens laying over on her starboard side. She was a hospital ship. Um, so her job was to bring passion, uh, wounded soldiers back from the Gallipoli campaign in the far reaches of the Aegean Sea, back to England. And you would have had, say, 4,000 casualties of war on there and hundreds of medical staff. When she sank, she hit a mine laid by a German submarine. We found the mine in 2003. We found the minefield that the Germans always said that she laid. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but she also sank three times faster than Titanic, when in theory she shouldn't have because they learned the lessons from the Titanic disaster. So the bulkheads inside, instead of going halfway up, they went all the way to the top. So if one compartment, say an iceberg hit, one compartment and that flooded the remainder of the ship would still stay afloat but it didn't and the mystery was why we always knew that the watertight doors were open but the question was how many of those compartments did it fill up and how many watertight doors were open so our job was to one of the mysteries that we had to solve was to dive deep inside that wreck into the fireman's tunnel and work our way through the engine rooms and when you get something as big as that, guys, it's monstrous. And those engines and those boilers, those boilers weren't held in, strapped in or bolted in. They were just sitting in there by gravity. Yeah. When the ship lays on its side, everything falls down. Mm. So walls become ceilings, ceilings become walls and things like that. And um, it's a huge shipwreck. We went back there in 2003 all of us with rebreathers because 98 we used open circuit. We took all our own stuff. It was a, a very exciting expedition. Um, and it was new. Mixed gas diving was relatively new, particularly well beyond 100 metres. Nobody had taken photographs deeper than 100 metres before. And I'd led an expedition to dive the King Edward VII, a big battleship off of Scotland in 1997, 115 metres. But we brought no photographs back from that expedition. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so it inspired us to become photographers. And Britannic 98 was the first time that we became photographers. But what happened was 
back in those days, nothing was rated deeper than 60 meters. So we were taking the equipment to twice its depth, just keeping our fingers crossed that it would work. I remember going to the stern of Britannic and the big propellers are there. Guys, it's, it's just a sight to see. It's incredible. Yeah. It's almost a painting, almost unreal. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And I remember taking a photograph of... the. I, I was looking through the viewfinder and I had this old Canon T-17, a Subal housing that was rated to 60 metres. And I pushed the trigger down of the uh, shutter and it, the, the pressure was so vast, it kept the trigger down and it shot off the whole film. Wow. Okay, and I didn't know what was happening. All of a sudden it was just like, you know, like uh, Duran Duran, girls on film. It's just completely, the shutter is completely going and it shot off the whole roll of 36 exposures. I even turned the camera around and looked into the dome port as if the answer was in there, you know, to what was happening. And what it was, it was the pressure. Um, but now uh, we realised what was happening and we didn't really know what we were doing back then, but we did get a few pictures that were published. Mm. Um, and it was, it was fantastic really to have photographs deeper than a hundred metres because no one was really doing it back then, you know, yeah. it was, it was pioneering stuff. Um, and then um, that was a successful expedition. We managed, Richie Stevenson, English diver, a good friend of mine, managed to get inside the fireman's tunnel. I waited outside for him um, on that particular expedition. John Chatterton got in the tunnel in 98, but his rebreather packed up. It gave him no reading at all. He was inside there on some ropey old Aura CCR 2000 thing that was half working. He's brave a guy, brave guy. There's no uh, guest of us. Yeah, yeah. It's DIY on his rebreather. Yeah. Um, so Carl Spencer led that expedition in 2003. It was, it was and still deemed the most successful expedition to Britannic because we found the minefield, the reason that Britannic sank, yeah. right in the path of where it sank, and even Bill Smith found the mine that was half exploded. Right. And we got into the fireman's tunnel and we found those doors open and we filmed them. Then we went back there in 2006 to film that for the History Channel. And that was an expedition led this time by John Chatterton and Richie Coda. The reason we went back there is because it was a point in time where television changed. Everything we'd filmed in the past was on sort of uh, everything now became HD. Okay. So all of a sudden, everything had a shelf life. And everyone wanted everything in HD because the technology of, of film had moved on. So we went back to film it in HD because everything we'd done before that was on mini DV. Yeah. yeah. So we went back to film that, um, but it was an expedition played with a few problems, illnesses, uh, permit problems, all sorts of things. Then we went back there in 2009, uh, and that was a big expedition to, um, that was supposed, it was an expedition to kick off a week of expedition programming 
on National Geographic. And it, the, it was going to be the first episode of that month. No, it was a month of expedition programming. Mm-hmm. And it was a two-hour special. Dr. Robert Ballard was going to be live from Titanic, and we were going to be do- doing the dives inside Britannic, the sister ship. And the, the film was supposed to compare different areas of both inside and out. Yeah. Huge expedition massive ship that we had out there one of the biggest expeditions that you could comprehend in terms of wreck diving myself and carl spencer had invited uh casey mckinley and jared jablonski two gue divers of the time excellent cave divers and their job was to penetrate inside that wreck lay lines for us to go in and film that wreck however on that very first dive, uh, Richie Kohler and Richie Stevenson found their way into boiler room number six, I think it was. So they penetrated quite deep and they'd found the answers that the architects claimed that she still should have remained afloat. We found the reasons why she sank so fast in that very first dive. Yeah. At the same time, elsewhere on the wreck, we were picking up some experiments that we'd laid down years before because we lay experiment, um, microbiology experiments, test test platforms that, and we put things inside the wreck to, to um, monitor oxygen levels and things like that. Carl was recovering some of those. He had a problem with his rebreather, had to bail out, came up, um, and unfortunately breathed the wrong gas at depth, mm. um, gave himself an oxygen toxicity hit and sadly didn't survive the dive. That um, He was my best friend and died on the dive with us. Um, so nothing really happened on Britannic after that because of the sad problems that we'd had. And we all had to pull ourselves back on our feet. Of course, we were filming that for a big documentary. Then we went back there. The guys went back there in 2015 as a preliminary dive. Mm. Then we went back there in 2016 to film it for the 100th anniversary for BBC. Kate Humble's our presenter on that expedition. And that's when we brought our friend Andy Torbert in, um, who is uh, a great uh, deep wreck diver as well. And was able to be the on-screen presenter for that particular project. Um, And then when the guys, the television went home, we still had a a bit of time left. By this time, we're on a huge Russian ship. Belongs to a friend of mine, uh, Eugene and Dimitri. And um, they have submarines on board that ship as well, submersibles. So they're able to put in to the water millions of dollars of technology and remote operated vehicles. And we also have a saturation bell to decompress in that we put down on top of the wreck around about 80 meters, finish the dive, get back in the bell, and it's brought up at three meter increments. It means that we can take our mouthpieces off, talk to each other, and also, um, you know, so bring that bell up. 
but you say by three metres at a time. Yeah, we kind of do it ourselves, but we also talk to the surface team that use the winch to bring it up on the ship. Right. How far does, does that... So that's <laughs> not down at how far? About 80 metres. 80 metres, and then that bring you right how far up? Yeah, up to three metres, but um, uh, for the final decompression stop. And if you're talking decompression, I mean... Right, the longest decompression I've done after Britannic is just under eight hours. Wow. In the ocean. That was a long dive, though. I think that was 55 minutes, uh, 120 metres max, 119 metres max. Um, it was filming in 2006. A long time, isn't it? And that's with you being in the open ocean, not in a bell? Yes. Yeah. But um, when we were doing the bell dives, we they were about four or five hour decompression times. Mm. You well, know. At least we talk to people there, and we we've seen yeah. you eating chocolate as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> chocolate so it's pretty cool. Um, the, the bell, yeah, it's they're pretty cool things to go diving with if anyone can get hold of one. Um, <laughs> um, someone like Cadbury's or Milk sponsor you know yeah the deepest chocolate ever eaten yeah richie stevenson eats haribo sweets and i i'd like my chocolate i don't mind a bit of sushi um my my italian friends have their uh specialized food in there and, and of course we can have piped music um, oh, wow. down to the bell and um but that's at the discretion of the um of the surface crew um so any come on you can't move on from that so any recommendations or music you listen to it depth uh, uh, okay then right i remember when underwater ipods first came about um and we used them for britannic expedition in 2009 and i had mine musical laid in my no it was the first it was before this I remember somebody changing my music on my music system to the theme tune to Jaws. No way. So That's I've turned it on. I've, I'm decompressing. <laughs> and it's like the theme tune to Jaws. I'm like, oh, thank you very much. You know? <laughs> but um, no, uh, and, and, well, music. I, the title of this, of this podcast I do remember once that, I mean, the, the, the bell that we were using can only sort of get two people in at any one time. And if you've got five divers on the wreck or four, <clears throat> you kind of take it in turns to move in and out. Mm. I remember once decompressing over Britannic and um, I was under the bell and I have a huge camera. We all have big camera systems. I mean, Evan Kovacs, my friend uh, from America, has a camera so big, it's you cannot believe how big it is. It has to be craned into the water and it's tethered to the surface. So a surface team will operate the camera search. All Evan does is moves it around. Yeah. I'm a stills photographer, so I have an aquatica, big aquatica ca ca um, housing camera. And it hangs off me during decompression on a piece of rope with a locked carabiner. And one day I'm looking down and I'm looking down into the blue ocean below me, decompressing. And I see this piece of rope dangling in the in the tide in the water. 
And I think to myself, I've got a piece of rope just like that that I hold my camera on. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. And I looked down and I could just see in the faint distance in the depths below my camera system plummeting into the depths. The cam, the carabiner had worked its way loose and in swaying in the, in the, in the water, my camera, we're probably talking 10,000 pounds worth of camera system gone. Now this camera system means a lot to me, you know, my, um, I've lost my camera and I'm panicking. I am panicking. I've like, that's my life gone because I'm a photographer. It's my best piece of diving equipment. I've gone into the bell. I've combed the surface. There's a guy, uh, Eastern European guy on the surface called Levin. And I'm panicking. Levin, 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 I've dropped my camera. I've dropped my camera. I'm like, oh, my God. And he's like, Lee, calm down. I will sort it. I'm like, you can't sort it. I've lost it forever. He says, Lee, I've sort, I will leave it. I will sort it. About six minutes later, a submersible arrives and in the manipulator arm is my camera and delivering it to me on decompression so levin had communicated to the submersibles i think richie cola may well have still been on the wreck at this point in one of the submersibles they were still down there for another five or six hours because they could just come up he just radioed through to them lee's lost his camera can you go and find it (laughs) You didn't hear about that any more through the trip, about you losing your camera. How cool is that? But, um, <laughs> That's a brilliant story. Do you, do you guys all get your cameras out and air size cameras? So it's say that again. Do we what? Do you, do you guys all get your cameras out on the deck and you know compare size of cameras? <laughs> no, I do have some photographs of us with our cameras on the decks, but. We all, uh, you know, primarily we're all photographers and that's what we do. Um, I, I'm in a group of people. I dive with two, two lots of people, really. Um, in, in England, I dive with a, a team called the Dark Star, which is um, organised and led by my good friend, Mark Dixon, who organises the Eurotech conference with myself and Roslo and uh, Jason Brown. And um, Mark has his own boat called the Dark Star, named after his, fa- his favourite film, The Dark Star, okay, which is some really rubbish 1970s science fiction movie, which Mark thinks is great. Um, so, we're a team, Star Wars thing. so we're a team of divers um, that have been together for a long, long time, a team of friends, and uh, we, we just dive deep shipwrecks. And Mark and The Dark Star may well be the most successful deep wreck diving team on planet earth they have dived and they dived so they in some incredible shipwrecks really super deep you know 160 meter wreck dives and, and they go about it without saying anything to people you know um i'm diving with them next weekend and we have a a week in september i think where we go and hunt for virgin shipwrecks in the english channel together yeah. so, um, how often do you get in the water Oh, not as often as uh, a normal diver because it's so expensive to do one technical dive. Yeah, We kind of go offshore and it's a mammoth expedition to, to dive one shipwreck offshore. Um, we have to go and find that shipwreck. It's a lot of money's worth of diesel. Um, 
and we will dive for say three or four hours in the water and by that time by the time you travel back say 50 miles yeah. you know it's not like you could get in three or four drift dives on yeah. the shore as such and the other team that i dive with is an international team made up of uh, several people from around the world and we get together periodically and dive a big expedition like Britannic or something like that. Yeah. Um, we've got something in the pipeline um, coming up. COVID, unfortunately, has put a stop to it for the temporary measure. Yeah. However, um, I'm not really one to sort of go telling people what we're doing. Um, not that I want to keep anything secret. No, it's just that I have this omen that tells me that, you know, you, you, you spout off about it. You tell everyone you're doing this and you're doing that. Yeah. And then something is thrown into the equation that stops you from doing that. That could be the weather. And it, 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 it's happened so many times. I've seen so many teams of people with T-shirts on the key before they're going out to summit, puffed out chests, we're going to do this. And then a day later, they're back because the weather's too bad, you know, and it's <laughs> embarrassing, you know. Just something you got it was like out. all those expeditions that we went on to, you know, I remember one expedition we went on, I think it was the Britannic in 2006. One of the American guys, it was an FBI guy that came on the expedition. He On day one, he opened a box of expedition T-shirts. I'm like, put them back, put them back. <laughs> With the, after the expedition, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Incredible times, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think our listeners will just be completely wowed by, yeah, the, the whole wreck diving and yeah and we've only kind of touched on one you know part of what you've done you know we haven't touched on lusitania there's so many other things that you have dived um i think we we need to get you back um you know to to talk about these other things you just said you touched on lusitania we we didn't no we 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 haven't touched on that yeah so that's something we can talk about yeah yeah yeah. Oh, there's so much. I mean, I thought to myself, well, good luck trying to squeeze 30 <laughs> years of uh, like really cool wreck diving into 45 minutes, you guys. Yeah. yeah. I, I certainly would like to get you back to talk about some of these other things, you know, and uh, Wilhelm, 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 Wilhelm Gustloff, yeah. Gustloff, yeah. another, you know, big wreck. Uh, and there's a, a, um, there's a deep story that goes with that, you know, with how that wreck uh, came about. Yeah. Um, you know, it'd be good to talk about that story. Yeah, um, and it'd be well. good to get obviously our audience listening now. You know, if you've got any further questions uh, for Lee, then send them in, and then we can yeah, yeah. build that around the next. We do have three questions for you, okay? Which is what we like to ask all our guests. Okay. Oh, really? Get your point of view Uh-oh. on those. Uh oh. Uh oh. yes. Oh yes. We do have a new set question. Okay, and that is uh, a liverboard-based question. Now, I know it's probably not your cup of tea, okay, maybe. Just say you're going to go on a liverboard and you're going to, you know, have a bit of recreational diving. Chill out. And chill out time. Where would you take a liverboard and where would it go? You know, work for Okay, I, I, I know the answer to this, actually. Okay. <laughs> I do know the answer to this. Um, it, isn't it um, where, Cocos Island, where the where those hammerhead sharks are? Oh, right. 
You know those famous pictures where they're silhouetted, those hammerheads? I think it's Cocos. It's not Galapagos, is it? No, it's Cocos Islands. Cocos Island, yeah. It's that famous place. I just, I think that would be, um, that'd be extraordinary. Yeah. Al although, this, yeah, I, I've always wanted to go there. I'm not really a fish diver or or mammal or anything like that because i'm a i'm a shipwreck diver however i would definitely love to go and see those hammerhead sharks just to lay on the seabed and look up and see those shoals of hammerheads silhouetted by the sun and the deep blue ocean you know any of your readers uh, listeners um google those hammerheads in cocos it's uh, don't quote me i'm sure it's cocos island yeah yeah there is a famous um, picture with somebody taking a shot up yeah, yeah and they're, they're there all the time i'd love to do that in fact now is a really good time to go because a friend of mine is going um and because of the covid they're doing some really cheap places to dive around the world <laughs> at the moment to get customers in if you can travel yeah. <clears throat> but um you know that uh, you know and the other one is goes without saying Antarctica. You know who? You're like a fisherman as well, aren't you? You like your fish? Yeah, I like I like fishing. I'm a I'm a little bit of a carp fisherman as well. I like to be a bit of a bank tramp, sit there for a few days. That's why I get away from people, and it just brings me into the English countryside and nature. And I don't have a television because I just sit there, and everything that's going on is my television. Nature, it's fantastic. Yeah. No, What's your other question? So if you could take three people diving, um, they could be past, present, who would you take and why? Three people diving? Yeah, when you say past, present, is that is that dead people as well? Yeah, they could be still with us or they could be someone from history. Yeah, just um, why would you take them? What would you show them? Oh God, that's like... <laughs> I suppose everybody says Jacques Cousteau, don't they, and all that, yeah. you know, or uh, or whatever. Um, there's oh, there's a bunch of people that come to mind, but it's like, who do you choose? That's a super difficult question. Thank you so much, you two. <laughs> Damn you. Um, I mean, like, I mean, I, I don't know. It's would you take Valentino Rossi, the great mo? Moto GP racer, he would be just great fun, wouldn't he? No, I don't know, he'd be mental. I mean, if you dive with Robert Plant, you'd be thinking, What is going on? That is Robert Plant, lead singer of Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Have you locked up? No. Are you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your screen is frozen. Yeah, are we back? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, sorry about that. Um, right. Okay, then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go mysterious. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go mysterious. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go Buster Crab. Oh, I've heard of Buster Crab. Yes. Okay. Why have I heard of Buster Crab? You're, oh. you're thinking now, you're thinking, and no, all the listeners are probably crab. thinking. However, he's a diver, and I can't think why. Uh, why do I know Buster Crab? I'm okay, Buster. let me tell you who Buster Crab was. Buster Crab was a military diver yes. back in the uh, 40s and 50s, and um, 
he was a secret military diver. Um, Buster Crab did so many clandestine dives on military things. And what happened is he, he knew a lot of secrets and he disappeared one day, completely disappeared. And there's all sorts of conspiracy theories and speculation about where he went. And um, there was a big Russian ship that came into Portsmouth and it was said that he was last seen diving or last was supposed to be diving underneath this Russian submarine, uh, Russian submarine, Russian warship to look at the design of it and, and report back to the British military, you know. And after that dive, he was never seen again. And about a week or two later, there was a headless, uh, armless, legless corpse washed up on the beach in France that was said to be Buster Crab. But the conspiracy theorists said that the Russians took him for the secrets and uh, for their own use, you know. Yeah. Um, but Buster Crab did so much, so much. You know, he he dived the Royal Oak when it first went down um, to find out, you know, when they when they lost HMS Affray, the last British submarine to be lost at sea. Huge, massive submarine, 1952. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the entire country sat on the edge of their seats waiting to hear whether this submarine was found. And it was Buster Crab that identified it because he was on board the HMS Reclaim, which was the British salvage vessel. And every, you know, this was during the Cold War and the politics involved and the Cambridge spy ring and everything was in, all involved. It was incredible what was happening. And they sent down the very first underwater camera, which was the Marconi camera. And Buster Crab was operating it. And they read the name Afray on the conning tower, HMS Afray. But it was back to front, the image. So it was read back to front and Buster Crab was a. So, yeah, he would be a really cool person to dive with, yeah. wouldn't he, you know? Um, Jochen Hassemeyer, that German guy. Wow, he would be a man. What about Banksy? I'm going to go with Banksy. He's very popular around here. Yes. How yeah. cool. Would that be to have a How cool. Time? Yeah. Banksy, Banksy goes in that mysterious category, doesn't he? You know? And I think if you're going diving with somebody, you're kitting up with them and you're having a chat with them. And I'd rather be chatting with someone super mysterious, you know? It's quite topical as well because uh, Banksy has been reported. Friends. to have been around here yeah, and, and yeah, and put some artwork up on bus stops and things like Friends. that yeah, he's been, he has been active just recently hasn't he, I've seen the stuff she? no it's definitely a he because he yeah. has admitted to the um, for the listeners that are listening via a podcast maybe abroad or something um, just fill us in on who Banksy is he's a British street artist that paints walls and buildings clandestine nobody knows who he is and he disappears it's actually illegal to do graffiti on um, walls but he does these amazing paintings and to the point where people have taken the walls down and then they've been auctioned off for millions because banks is like a modern day um 
what would you say? Who's a famous uh, Leonardo da Vinci or something, isn't he? Yes. So that would be a cool person. Uh, And the other mysterious person I would go with is D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. You might need to explain. Yeah, I think you do on that one. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take D.B. Cooper diving with me, right? Now, in the 70s, there was a guy that got on a plane and he hijacked it and he demanded something like thousands of pounds of that, thousands of dollars and two parachutes. They gave him the money. They gave him the parachutes. The plane took off again. And then he jumped out of the plane with the money and disappeared. And he's never been seen since. Google it. Look it up. It is one of the best mystery stories ever and one of the most enchanting stories. And he became a folklore legend in America and all around the world, really. Um, that was the name that they gave him, D.B. Cooper. And if you look up the mystery, it's a really interesting thing to look up. Yeah. Um, but he, he, you know, question was, did he survive? They found money where he should have landed. They found some clothes where he should have landed. He was wearing a suit, you know. Um, I remember somebody walking into a fancy dress party, a costume party, and he had um, a suit on. And a parachute. Everybody thought he'd come as James Bond. I went, no, he's definitely D.B. Cooper, you know. Um, I don't know. Is that a boring person to ask or to go dive in with? No, I, I think it'd be quite good. And, um, you know, because you never quite know what he's going to do. He might just disappear. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's that, I'm, I'm like, OK, I'm not going to tell anybody who you are, but tell me how you did it and how you got away. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, communication. Just, the whole story of that is just incredible, you know. So him, Buster Crab, and Banksy—they're they're mysterious people, you know. Yeah. Buster Crab, um, um, the guys on episode fifty when we spoke to the mine clearance guys, uh, they su- suggested Buster Crab, and that's uh, yeah. why. Oh, did they? Yeah. 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 They mentioned. I remember somebody talking about yeah, him. And, yeah, the mystery. Those guys. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll not have him no more. I'll go with Jochen Hasselmeyer, the German painter. <laughs> yeah, he's still alive and he's... They're all good. They're, yeah. they're all good. And, um, you know, that's absolutely fine. Okay. One more question. One more question for you, okay? Another deep one, okay? Um, so, you are given a billboard, okay? Or even a side of a wreck. We don't mind, but a billboard, let's say a billboard or a side of a wreck, and you can put something on there, and that can be a image, it can be a statement, whatever you like, but it's going to be seen by the world. They're going to see it. What are you going to put on it? What, like a post-it note? <laughs> whatever you like. Just to get a message. The message is going to, you, you, you might get a message out to the world. Okay. And, okay. I know what I'm going to, I know what I'm going to say. And I've, I've, this is the, this finishes off the introduction to my book. This one little quote. I would put, if you're not the lead dog, the view never changes. Wow. Mm, very true. It's true. Yeah? I like that. Yeah. yeah. Something simple like that. 
you know, sends messages in all directions. Yeah. yeah. No, very good. Yeah, that is yeah. good. All right. It's great to have, yes, original things. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I, I think I might have seen that on a Florida car bumper sticker. No, I don't mean joking. <laughs> no, but that is very, very good. And that's a good answer. I like, I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. No, really, really great conversation. Thank you. Oh, do I get to ask you a question now? Put, yeah, of course you can. can I put something like that to you then, guys? Yeah. Okay, then. Here's one. We did at work the other week. You are the organiser of an outdoor rock festival, the rock festival of the year. You two have been asked to organise it, and you can pick five bands, past or present, that you want to be on that stage. Five acts, five groups yeah. between you two. Who are you going to uh, choose? Well, Beatles first. Yeah, Beatles. Beatles, yeah. Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, yeah, good one. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> so who have we got? Beatles. <laughs> bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Um, what about the Rolling Stones? Rolling Stones, yes, Stones, Rolling Stones, yeah. yeah. Um, what else? What about uh, Lenny Kravitz? Something like that. Lenny Kravitz, yeah, yeah. What about? I was going to say some Pavarotti. Pavarotti, that's not really rock. No, but it's just a bit. <laughs> but no, it doesn't matter. Concert, doesn't? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Another spin on it. Yeah. Um, who else? Yeah. Um. Oh, 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 oh! Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Yeah, the Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> I thought you two would probably argue over that and we'd go, okay, I'm, enough's enough. <laughs> um, just so, uh, what's the phrase? Uh, what's the lead singer? The um, lady. Oh, Stephen Nicks. Stephen Nicks. Yeah. Her voice is awesome. So you wouldn't oh, have oh, race. Oh, no. Oh, no, I've got another one. I've got another one. No, you can only have five. Oh. <laughs> Why are you going to take out? Blondie. Oh. No. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've got a, I've got a ticket to see Blondie in October. Really? Yeah, I've only got two tickets for two concerts this year: Blondie and Bauhaus. And who? Bauhaus. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar there. Um, yeah, but um, so yeah, you you definitely have uh, Blondie, wouldn't you? Yes. What about ACDC? You've forgotten ACDC. Oh, oh, you've forgotten Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin, yeah, I do think about Zeppelin. You've forgotten um. So can we swap Pavarotti for Zeppelin? <laughs> you can't. You said it now. Where is Zeppelin? There's so many choices. You go back to your youth. Well, there you go. Yeah, About Michael Jackson. I mean, you're talking about the rock concert of rock concerts. You know. Mm. You know. Don't forget, you've got to get crowds in as well. You know, off you can't have. Yeah, off the wall era of Michael Jackson. Well, I would yeah. say Queen. Yeah. 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 What you think there, there is, is. Actually, what about ABBA? Yeah. Dancing Queen, do you love it? Dancing Queen, brand your handbag. Anyway. <laughs> Good question. So, um, what, what about you? Sorry? What bands? For me? Yeah. I would definitely have ABBA. I've, you know, imagine that. I mean, they can't do anything wrong in my eyes. Yeah. No. Um, I definitely have ACDC. They just lift everything, don't they? I yeah. definitely have Led Zeppelin. I've seen both of those live. Um, I I would. I don't know. 
please as well. Yeah, what a lineup. Okay, guys, um, really enjoyed the podcast. Really enjoyed your company. Um, and um, yeah, um, well done for what you do with your podcast. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. Just keep the power of you. Keep interviewing people and um, and bring them stories to people's earphones. Yeah, you're, you're more than welcome, guys. And another time, yeah, when when I get that book out, let's let's do that. Yeah, 50, hopefully 50 one day. Adventures. Yeah, and hopefully one day we'll meet face-to-face in the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> all right, see you later. Bye now. All right, bye, 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 Lee. Bye. So thank you, Lee, for that. And I hope you all enjoyed that uh, really good conversation that we had with Lee. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, I think so we'll have him, we certainly will have him back. Yeah, uh, I want to steer our listener to YouTube as well, uh, because Lee very kindly shared some uh, the footage he doesn't often share and uh, I think he normally keeps that for when he's talking at seminars and yeah. different shows uh, but I, you know do if you are listening to this do go to the Big Scuba YouTube channel um, there's some footage on there it's about just under five minutes yeah it's just incredible it is um, some of the footage there it's got uh, Richard Kohler in the submarine and some others um, Lee Bishop's, then Lee swimming, Bishop's swimming, actually, swimming, swim, <laughs> swim, and the little swim around the Britannic. He's diving around the Britannic yes. on, using a skeeter. <laughs> <laughs> but there is there are some really um, beautifully clear um, footage of them going around the Britannic, and uh, and Lee actually uh, commentates yeah, as well. Yeah. So um, and we see him in the decompression platform eating chocolate. Eating chocolate, which is pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. And, uh, so, watch it. Um, i tell you what, that, imagine that, though. You're down at those depths and you've been diving and what have you, and you just think, do you know what? I'm going to just go back and have a little breather and, and have a bar of chocolate, have a bit of dairy. Well, I don't know if that's dairy milk, but other chocolates are available, of course. But, uh, yeah, that, that must have been nice, wasn't it? So, yeah. Um, it's got to be good so uh, what I say thank you to Lee for uh, sharing all that with us and, um, yeah, really and being able to share that with our listeners um, and our followers on YouTube um, so yeah you know that's been brilliant and uh, learned a lot and uh, I think there's so much more we need to ask Lee he's got lots of stories to there tell is so and so many other wrecks that he's been to um, so that's just part of it and hopefully and you mm. know um we'll get lee back at some stage to talk about some of the other stuff you know we really would like your feedback and actually your comments let us know what you think um if you've got some questions and then we can add that in to the next time yes we get lee back. on so that'd be really mm-hmm. good um let's make it interactive yeah Oh, two-way, three-way. <laughs> we like that. So, uh, yeah, do that. Um, and that'd be really good. So, yeah, brilliant. And uh, thank you to Lee um, yeah. for coming on. He's a great chap. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, we'll say, you know, if you're out there and you, you know, you've got a story to tell, we want to hear from you, you know. Um, just tell us what it is, you know, yeah. come on. You can and, see uh, we're all relaxed and chilled and it's Yeah, it's all just having a chat. Yeah. What more do you want? You know, you sit around and have a chat about one of the best things you like doing, you know, and a scoop diving. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Or free diving, or whatever. Yeah, you know. so you can get hold of us, you can DM us on our social media pages, yeah. or you can send us an email. We'll come to that shortly. Let's we've got some other things we need to talk I about. Know. Yeah. Um we let one of our previous guests 
is actually uh, we need to say a big congratulations to uh, Autumn Bloom and four other people mm -hmm. who've also been inducted into the Women Divers Hall of Fame. That's amazing. It's been yeah, released really this week, so well done. Yes, <laughs> A big well done from us. That's uh, really, really good. And, um, you know, to join in the ranks of other brilliant women divers. Yeah, yeah. And Autumn has featured on the podcast uh, a while back when she talked about her Stream to Sea products. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, we want to say, uh, you know, well done to you, all of you who have been inducted this year. Mm, yeah, really well, well done. Yeah, hopefully we might be able to get some of them on. Yeah. That'd be good. There's um, a birthday to mention. There is quite a big birthday. Yeah, who's, quite, whose birthday is it? Sylvia Rowles. Yeah. Her birthday is on Monday the 30th of August. Yeah, so uh, happy, happy birthday. Do you want to sing a song? I'm not very good at singing. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly don't hear me singing, that's what I said. But a very happy song. birthday, Sylvia Earle. Yeah, happy <laughs> birthday to you, so uh, all the best. Yes. Maybe she listens, maybe. Do you think she listens to the big school? I hope so. So, uh, that'd be good. So, uh, yeah. Um, okay, We one of our guests might be coming on um, next time. We've got a choice of a couple guests coming up who potentially might be coming on on the next episode yes it's all about timing but yeah we've got a few people in the pipeline one of them's like the other side of the globe mm -hmm. um, so connections and things like that is going to we're not quite sure if that's going to work but we'll, we'll see mm -hmm. um, hope we've done it before um, but it does have a little bit organising when yeah. there's several hours ahead and in the far reaches of one of the globes of the atolls the <laughs> um, but if not we've also got um, uh, Sam who wants to come on and talk to us about the intergovernment panel on climate change AR6 climate change report that came out a couple of weeks ago yeah something that she's uh, very passionate about so I think anything to do with climate change will be yeah, yeah. climate change and particularly how it affects um, the reefs and uh coral yeah you know so uh, I know she's a uh, Sam's a marine biologist I spoke to her in the past mm -hmm. you know and uh, she's got a lot of information to do with you know um, climate change on the effects of coral yeah and um, that'll be really good to hear her point of view and it'll be based about what was found in that report yeah and i think it'll come across that everybody can yeah. understand it's it. a report that was in the news a couple of weeks ago for anyone who's uh, thought hey on we heard about that yes you have it was in the news a couple of weeks ago where the governments all got together mm -hmm. to talk about it so policy government policy is based on a lot of this report yeah so it should be interesting yeah so uh, the people who need to know they look at this report and we'll be bringing that to the big scuba yeah that'd be great yeah. to the masses it is yeah so uh, that'd be good um, I kind of think that's about it I don't think there's anything else no no it's just uh, obviously uh, keep in touch we like hearing from you so we keep posting on our social media pages Facebook Twitter and Instagram we're even on TikTok now so look oh, us yes. up oh yes yeah I've got to look at TikTok yeah so we've put a few uh, bits and pieces on TikTok and um, you can contact us by email, thebigscoopapodcast at gmail.com. And then we do have the Big Scoop of Bat thing. Yeah, always do. We had a message a couple of weeks ago uh, from Matt. You know, we love hearing from you. So the number, just leaves the message. 
uh, a voicemail and we'll play it on the show mm-hmm. and that number is plus 44 7810 0 there we go so uh, that's the number to do that um, we can't do this without your support you know and it's great we get companies come on and say hey I've got this I've got that mm-hmm. you know give us a review let us know what you think of it and we love doing that so you know and we'll make a post about it we've got for example you know you talk about your shear water yeah. um, quite a bit you know we talk about um, oh our friends at Frostfire yes you know, we we've have been using our Frostfire moon wrap moon wrap um, lovely yeah. in fact I think I've lost mine to honey <laughs> they're very cosy yeah honey um, took mine um, but yeah you know, so we, we do like doing reviews and things like that there should be some more coming on soon we're in discussions with a couple more people and we are up on the road with Ford with a nugget with a nugget coming soon that, that's uh, for October October yep. yeah so we've got adventures scuba adventures planned there is yeah and uh also, you know, a free way you can support us is by leaving us a review mm-hmm. and sharing with your dive buddies. And uh, we need that because it helps other people find us. Yeah, so like, subscribe, shout about us. Yeah, yeah. So even, even where you listen to your downloads, leave us a review and just let us know what you think. Yeah. That's, you know, it's a free way. It's really good it will only take you a minute to do and uh, yeah it, it just helps other people find us yeah it's all yeah really cool when we get interaction on our social Love media that was well, great great fun yeah that is brilliant so uh, it's all good yeah so I think that's everything it's yeah. just uh, thank you for downloading and uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode certainly yeah thank, thanks for downloading and uh, we love hearing from you so that's all I can say yeah yeah, yeah. so on to the next one episode 98 woohoo <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, that's good. Or as uh, Grace Marquez would say, scooby doo scooby doo yeah. <laughs> See you all soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We are not affiliated with any agency or organisation and all opinions expressed in this episode are our own and those of our guests. If you wish to make any comments about this episode, then please do contact us via email or our social media platforms that are listed in the episode show notes. Alternatively, you can send us a message or voice message via WhatsApp on the Big Scuba Bat Phone. And the number is plus four four seven eight one zero 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 five nine two four. We will always respond promptly. And thank you once again for downloading this episode.